Thanks for listening to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. What's up, guys? Another Angler's Channel Insider Podcast coming at you here tonight. Uh, kicking off the show with our buddy Dakota Ebear, your pro circuit title runner-up champ, Spencer Sheffield, will join us next week on next week's show. But Dakota has got a crazy, crazy story you have got to hear to appreciate from bullfighting, bull riding, all the way to bass fishing. I mean, what else can you ask for? But he's having an incredible year, an incredible career, uh, fishing both Pro Circuit and Bass Pro Tour. And um, he's not done. He's ready to get that first win. Second half of the show, we, we jump into the Bassmaster Angler of the Year race and uh, go through that a little bit, put our predictions in. And then we had a few questions regarding this event coming up this week and uh, a few other things. So what do we do? Well, David David makes a text or shoots a text out. And, uh, well, I couldn't wait, so I'll make a phone call. So you want to hear who our impromptu guest is for the second half of the show, as this is probably one of our top five shows I'm going to say we've done across the five years of doing the AC Insider podcast. So best thing you can do is keep on listening. Welcome to the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast, presented by Sportsman's Warehouse, your fishing and outdoor store. This week's show is brought to you by Ranger Boats, still building legends one at a time. Now, here is your host, Chris Brown. Dakota, what is a former rodeo bullfighter and a bass fisherman have in common? How does that, how does that, those two collaborate and come together. I figure you got to be pretty hard-headed to do both. <laughs> to do either one of them, <laughs> you got to be pretty determined. I mean, you got, I mean, pretty bullheaded probably. You know, like people told me, you know, you probably shouldn't fight bulls. That's not a good idea. You probably shouldn't ride bulls. Probably shouldn't fight bulls. Probably shouldn't bash us for a living. That's probably not a good idea, but I don't listen. You know? I got you. I get something in my head and I want to do it. And, uh, and you know what? All those things worked out great for me. And sometimes people tell you how to do things, but if you want to do it in your heart and you set your mind to it, you probably should still do it. And so, it worked out. So, so what is <laughs> yeah? So I mean, I'm, I'm looking at your profile here on uh, um, Major League Fishing, and it says a former rodeo bullfighter. So what's there's a bullfighter and a bull rider? Obviously, a bull rider, you're riding bulls, right? What's a bullfighter? Well, yeah, man, like. I realized pretty quickly in my bull riding career that I wasn't real good at it. And I was not making very much money. I wasn't being very successful at it. And I was getting thrown off and ran over and hooked and everything else and wasn't getting paid for it. And then I realized that I could be a rodeo bullfighter. I'd still get ran over and, you know, all that, but at least I would get paid for it. And I could actually pay my bills and pay my way through college. Now the difference between the two is non-joking is that like, so you have your bull rider in at rodeos and at bull ridings that they get on the bulls, their goals to ride them for eight seconds. They're judged on their score and how well the bull bucks and all that. Bull fighters are there to make sure that during that process, the bull rider has a, less of a chance of getting hurt. So whenever they're riding the bull and they fall off, it's my job as a bull fighter to distract the bull, bring him away from the situation where the bull rider falls off, keeps him safe, keeps everybody else in the arena safe. So my job was to be a uh, distraction, I now, guess, to, I, to, I to, the, to the bull. I, I don't, I, I'm a lot older than you, 
So I guess I'm, I don't want to offend you by saying this, but isn't that, isn't that what they call a rodeo clown? No, you know I'm going to offend me because most people don't know the difference. No, they, so like in modern day rodeo, most most rodeos, they hire a clown okay. for entertainment purposes. All right. Uh, they'll, you know, they tell jokes and entertain the crowd. And just during like, you know, the dead time of production where, you know, they're in between events or something or loading livestock or something, they'll have a clown out there just to tell jokes, do an act or a skit or something like that just to keep the crowd entertained. And then they hire bullfighters to also help with the production of the show and to actually fight bulls during the bull riding performance. Okay. Right. So they're they're two separate things. Yeah, they are. So what's the worst injury I, you've had as a bullfighter? Man, I landed pretty well. You know, like I mean, honestly, <laughs> I was. I, I, it really wasn't that bad, man. I mean, I broke a couple ribs and some fingers and some toes and got banged up a bunch. But you know, it's kind of funny, like when you do that stuff so long, and you know, guys that ride bulls and stuff for a living, they they can relate. They can relate. They all your body gets used to the abuse. Honestly, it's kind of crazy. But like, you know, if I was to go out there and step out there and do it right now and get ran over, I'd feel like I got hit by a bus. But when you do it every week or you know two three times a week, it you know you get pretty tough and you know you don't notice it as much and uh there's an adrenaline rush like no other man it's really a, a cool thing I, I i miss it like no other but uh you know the right opportunities pre- presented themselves uh or began presenting themselves in the fishing industry while i was in college fishing at the college level and i eventually i, I reached a decision where i had to make a choice do i continue this career in rodeo which i loved like no other or do I pursue a career fishing, which I also had a deep passion for and never really dreamed that I would have the opportunities that I've had, but the college level of competition opened up those doors for me. And I was at a crossroads there, honestly, uh, about the time that I was graduating, I was actually setting up for a rodeo in Fort Worth, Texas, and a stack of panels that we use to house the bulls and stuff. They come in stacks of 18, and they're, like, strapped together. They weigh about 2,000 pounds per bundle of panels, and a stack of panels fell on top of me while we were setting up for a show and mm. shattered my femur and my hip. It just basically, like, destroyed everything. Like, my leg was going the wrong way and everything. It was really a pretty uh, – terrible and uh and so it like broke the femur clean out of the socket and all that so i had to have all that stuff repaired i couldn't walk for a long time and uh when i did start walking actually the first day that i walked after that surgery and that incident was at a college event it was an flw college event on lake somerville i practiced for two days on crutches in the back of my buddy's boat the morning of the tournament i was like this isn't going to work so i just started walking again well before i was supposed to and we top 10 that event we caught we qualified for another national championship and I caught a nine pounder that day on a Carolina rig. I don't know how I chased it around the boat in like two foot waves after I hadn't walked in three months, but somehow we got in the boat. We qualified for another championship. And to me, that was kind of like, it was just, I remember that day. I remember that moment. I remember thinking, man, like this is going too good. I need to pursue this. Sure. And uh, that was pretty much it, man. I had to walk away from something I really, really love, but uh, the fishing industry has been great to me, and I'm thankful to be here. So, where did you fish in college? At Tarleton State University in Stephenville, Texas. Yep. Okay. All right. And uh, what you turned pro when? In 2019? 
2019 was my rookie year on the FLW tour at the time. Okay. I got you. I got you. So before we get out of the rodeo side real quick, what, what lake is comparable boat ride wise to riding a bull? <laughs> Man, whenever you leave Champlain, it feels like you don't got rolled all the way across the arena and up the other side of the fence. I mean, it, <laughs> Champlain will hurt you, man. I'm glad to be in a Phoenix, honestly. I spent I spent a summer, uh, I spent two summers in two different brands of boats, and I can tell you that I feel a lot better at the end of the summer riding in a Phoenix, and I don't have to put it together at the end of the summer. So, uh, Champlain will test your equipment to the utmost ability. If you're in the market for a boat go try a bunch of them on champlain for a couple of days and you'll make your decision real quick on which one you want at the end of it i, I guarantee well in 2019 i was up the uh up that river on lake hamilton uh following a couple of people and ran into you during the cup when it was still called a cup and uh-huh. um and i mean i'm not gonna lie i was pulling for you i mean i was pulling for thrift too because he's one of my guys but i was pulling for you to do well on that one, not the other guy that was across the river from you there, but the, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not going to name names. You know who it was, but, no, uh, no, no. <laughs> so I, but I'm, I was pulling for you in, in, in that deal. And, uh, it was, you know, really, I got my first glimpse of, of you at that time. And then, you know, have been kind of following your career ever since. And I mean, third place in 2019, you've had a couple top 25s, you know, the, the last two years, and then this year, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I was, I've, I've been following you along on the BPT, following you on Pro Circuit last year and all that. And within Angler's Channel, we do a little weekly um, you pick them deal. And, and, you, and part of the game this week or last week was to pick who we thought was going to win the title. And, dude, I had you pegged. And so Sunday afternoon, I'm turning on the – I turn on the live and I'm watching. And, dude, you take the lead. And I went, there you go, boys. That's our winner right there. I got you covered. I won't score these points this week. And you were you've you've been so freaking close, dude. So close to that win, not only in the title but in everything else. How do you, mentally? How are you still, you know, going forward sane. right now? I, am I still sane? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah well, yeah. so here a couple things, I guess. I, I'm sorry for letting you down. I'm sorry about that. And no, you're is, good, I guess dude. I got you're somebody, good. I just, no, I, you I know, got some. I got. I got somebody to blame now. It's your fault. You jinxed me. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no man. Uh, you know, I will say, I mean, like I, I, I'm a very open person uh, and I, I don't mind telling people how, how things are like and how, you know, because everybody has like your opinions on, on how the whole big picture and how, you know, everything like, dude, it's so stressful mentally, you know, like, and a lot of people don't just don't understand, but I, I can't, I'm, I don't mind saying like, man, it, it, it's tough. Like it, like in a way, like you're so thankful, right? Because you're, you're so thankful because I, man, I'm just a, a, a guy from South Louisiana originally that, man, we didn't grow up a lot of money. We have very humble upbringings and, you know, my mother taught me, how to work hard for what I want in life and, and to earn what you have. And, um, and so to be doing well in the industry and to be having success in these tournaments and winning money, you know, I mean, dude, I, I don't, 
I don't, I don't know what to do with a fifty thousand dollar check. You know, I'm like, holy smokes, you know. Right, right. And it's um, so it's been very good financially for me, better so than I could have ever dreamed, you know. But at the same time, as a competitor, it ain't even about the money now. It, you know, it's about. I mean, it is because I I need more of it, because <laughs> you can spend it as fast as you make it. Everybody knows that, but. It's not about the money. It's like I just, as a competitor, I want to win. It's what drives me to be the first guy on the water every day. It's what drives me to be the last guy off the water in the afternoons. It's what drives me to enter as many events as I've won in the last, or as, as I've been to in the, as, in the last couple of years. So to be so close to achieving that goal so many times, man, I mean, it, it, I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's, it's mentally exhausting in a way. But in a, in a in a positive light, it also is um, is encouraging knowing that you're you're doing what you need to do. You're representing your sponsors well. You're growing your brand and your sponsors' brand, and that you're having success in the water. You're making a living, and it's a and it's truly a blessing. It really is. So there's a whirlwind of emotions that go into you know, the last, you know, nine months. And at the end of the day, it's about the bigger picture. Uh, I know that I believe that I'm a heart and I think that we're on the right track. I think that I need to keep working hard, but I, I mean, at times it's like, gosh, dang, dude, like when I walked across that stage, you know, I was happy for Spencer. He earned it. He deserved it. There's no doubt about that. He caught him better that day. He won that event. It was his time, you know, um, but when you walk across stage, you know, everything, you know, when I get, get alone, like in my truck, it's like, Oh dude, we let right. that one go again, you know, but is, is I there, just a competitor in me. Looking back over Sunday, is there a fish or a situation or something that you can, that I don't want to say blame, but you can look back on everybody looks back, you know, over the course of a year, like an AOI point or something like that. There's always a fish or a situation where, you know, if, if something had changed, the outcome would have been different. Is, is there a time on Sunday that was for you? Did you, did you know? This Sunday? Yes, absolutely. There's a couple of events this year where I've been really close that like, you know, I get, you take James river, for example, man, finishing second there. Literally I did all I could do. I caught everything that bit like nothing could have went better. It just, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, it wasn't mine. Right. You know what I'm saying? I didn't even have the right. opportunity. I caught a six pounder on my last cast uh, with three minutes to go. You know, I barely had time to get back to the boat ramp after that. So like that event went as good as I could ever imagine. Watts bar, same way. Didn't feel like I was on anything. Ended up having a great week, making some like gutsy choices that paid off. I did the best I could what I had. I ended up third. Ryan Salzman smoked us, you know, at the, at the title event last week, man, you know, I don't like to talk about negativity and stuff like that, but I did. I had, I had two, five pounds. I mean, I, I could have had, I should have had 22 pounds with about nine o'clock. I pull up to this first spot, which is where I actually caught a lot of my weight late in the day on the knockout round. And it, it was a place that I hadn't really fished since practice. I've I seen some fish there in practice. Didn't really think much of it. I happened to swing by there on the knockout round. I make four drops in a row. I catch three, four pounders and a five pounder. And, you know, and then I was like, man, I'm going to practice. I'm good. So I left that area alone. I show back up there on, you know, the championship round. As soon as I put the troll motor down, I was like, good Lord, look at all the bass. Like, this is going to be good. First drop, I catch a 380. The next drop, I catch like a 480 or a 490. And then I lose two five pounders back to back. Mm -hmm. And then I lose two of them that are like four, you know, four and change probably, you know, in the next 30 minutes. And, you know, I, 
and then the weather blew in and it got pretty hard to fish and it was, you know, it was very frustrating. Um, but I just kept trying and kept trying and kept trying and kept trying. I never gave up. I left, had to go get fuel at around 1230. I got back over there around one, you know, and I catch, you know, what I catch to go from 19 to 22 pounds in a matter of 30 minutes. But there's no doubt about it. I weighed in a 370. I lost two fish over five pounds. I catch either one of those. I win the tournament. And that stings. Like, that hurts, you know, knowing you had the opportunities, you had the bites. But, you know, I lost one of them on a football jig. I set the hook, you know, and it just come. I did everything I could to keep it from jumping, and it come off and jump. Yeah, or jump and come off. I had another one that bit the drop shot a little funny. I didn't really know she even had it. And when I did, it was kind of too late. I didn't get a good hook set, and I knew, like, a whole time she's swimming to the surface, I'm thinking in my head, like, I don't have her. And sure enough, like, she barely broke the surface and come off. And um, maybe if I was paying a little bit better attention at that time, I'd get a better hook set in that fish or something. You can go back and think about all those different circumstances, uh, but that's all spoiled milk at this point. You know, it's just not something I usually think about or harp on. But in a way, like, it's hard to not. You do that, you know, we're human, I'm human, you know, and I'm, uh, you know, it was ironic because I received the sportsmanship award the day before, uh, you know, the four cell wood deal. And that was very, such an honor to me. I was, I was so humbled by that. It was just, it was an awesome, uh, experience opportunity and, and, uh, award. And then here I am not even 24 hours later, I'm on the deck of my boat with the worst attitude in the world at nine o'clock in the morning. You know, because I just lost two five-pounders back-to-back on championship day. And, you know, I mean, I'm human, man. It's like we all are. You know, how do you not let that affect you negatively? Um, So I honestly threw quite a bit of a pity party most of the day and was finally able to get the train back on the tracks towards the end of the day. And I caught 22 pounds, like I said, in the last few minutes, you know, that – you know, helped me out tremendously financially and ended up finishing second. But uh, just uh, the whole day was kind of a whirlwind for sure, (laughs) you know. The um, Kenneth actually went through this morning when I texted the guys and said you were going to be on. He went through and pulled up your your stats, your the money won this year. Um, And looks like you've won about 120 grand on the BPT and about 157,000 on everything else. So you've had, I mean, minus the hardware, dude, you've had a hell of a year. Man, you talk about a blessing for a guy, you know, that, you know, like I said, just pretty humble upbringing and stuff, man. Like, you know, dude, I don't, man, it's just surreal almost to me, you know, and, and thankful ain't the word like, you know, and, and, uh, it's been it's been a blessing, man, for yeah, to not win one and and to be, um, to have those opportunities financially is pretty pretty cool. I'm actually heading home to Texas to uh, you know try to get things started on building a house. You know, okay. I mean, how 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 more how much more thankful can a guy be um, to be doing what he loves for a living and then have the opportunity to go home and build a house with the money you won doing something you love? I mean, I. I Truly, truly, truly thankful for that, no doubt. Well, I mean, you, you go back and you look at your personal career. I mean, 27th in points in 19, 14th in points in 2020, 10th last year, which got you into the BPT, and then ninth again this year. I mean, outside of Michael Neal, I mean, we see guys that are, that are fishing all these events, but, dude, the consistency here on this pro circuit, 
there's not many guys in that list that can say they've done that over the last four years or over their career. Well, when I when I started fishing, you know, college events seriously and started, you know, the wheel started turning about fishing professionally, I, I said to myself, look, I don't want to just be a guy from Louisiana, you know, that, that fishes a certain way or whatever. I want to be able to catch them however I need to catch them to make a living. I mean, at the end of the day, you've got to catch checks to make a living. Now, I, there's a fine line there, and I've adjusted the way that I think, and I think that that's been a big – that's been the next push for my success as far as mentally. But, um, but I, I really worked very hard to be as versatile as I can. And I think in a way it's kept me from maybe winning at times because I know like in the back of my mind, man, when I'm doing like, man, I could win, but I might bomb, but I can go over here and do this and I'll get paid. Right. And I think at times I've done that a lot and it's got me consistent, you know, good finishes but you take a guy that's pretty hard-headed like dang it i'm gonna flip until i can't flip no more you know like a mikey kiso or a guy like hackney or something that's like you know very good at certain things and they do it like you look at john cox i mean he keeps it he keeps it so simple and when it's in his wheelhouse dude he's gonna blow you out the water right you know but um and and then you know if he was focused on doing a ton of other things, he wouldn't figure out in depth those certain things that he's so good at, you know? So I think that versatility is what allows guys to be consistent. And then I think, you know, whenever you can mix in knowing like, Hey, I need to do this and be really good at it. That's, you know, you can win a certain way, but you just can't let yourself get too, you know, strung out on different things, you know, different things. I think, um, but like when it comes to mentality though, like I've, I've kind of like changed the way I think, like, you know, when I started, man, I had to get paid. Like I had to, or I wasn't going to be able to keep fishing. Like, yeah. So it was get paid or go home. And if you didn't get paid, you might not have enough money to go home. And so it's hard to not think in that way, like thinking like, all right, what am I going to have to catch to get a check? But I can honestly say like, I've never at this never like all year long i've never thought about what it was going to take to get a check it's never even been and i needed a check because my bank account had less than five thousand dollars in it when we started after after the like before the first event after i done paid my first two deposits for the bass pro tour paid my first entries for the bass pro tour got my boat rigged and everything else i had less than five grand in my in my bank account and that don't go very far and so i i had to get paid but i never thought about what it was going to take to get a check right like i made up my mind at the beginning of the year i'm gonna focus on like championship day what is it gonna take to get in the top 10 and that I, that's been my thought at every event that i've been to this year like get me to championship day i've got to figure out a way to get there and then you have an opportunity to win and we'll let the cards fall where they may and by doing that i think that it's totally changed the way that i fish and it's totally changed my approach in a way, but in a good way. Because if I miss, like if I know like I need to catch 20 a day to make the top 10, that's my goal. Like that's what I'm going for. If I catch 18 or 17 a day, I'm still pretty good. I'm still pretty good in check range. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah. the but if you're sitting there thinking, man, if I just catch 12 pounds a day, I'm, I'm going to get 50th, man. I'll, I'll get me a check. Dude, I did that for four years. You're going to end up 50th or 51st or 55th. And, you know, it's just, you're just shooting for that. Like, and it's not, 
it's not the right mentality at all for me. Oh, I I agree. I agree. KG, question? You know, when I was looking through your stats this morning, I I realized you fished fished a lot of events this year. I mean, obviously, it was your first year Bass Pro Tour, um, the Pro Circuit, but you also fished some Toyota events and a few BFLs. What what has that kind of schedule taught you about yourself or or helped you as an anchor? Well, you know, I've the number of events this year might even be less than what I fished in the past, um, in a way. But the number of high level events obviously was up being able to fish the Bass Pro Tour and the Pro Circuit. But you know, I've fished that way every year since 2019, um, or yeah, really 2019, um, because. I think the more events you go to, the better you're going to get. You know, I mean, it's just inevitable. You can fun fish every day. You can practice every day. You can fun fish every day. But until you're in a tournament, under pressure, making decisions, that is what separates guys that are successful in tournaments and not. I mean, pretty much, you know, you can take anybody out there and put around fish, and we can all go out there and catch fish and have fun and be successful. The average guy goes out there on the lake and catches the ever-living heck out of them all the time when he's playing around. But what separates guys that catch them when they're playing around and guys that catch them when it matters? And it's decisions under pressure. And I don't think you can replicate that type of environment until you're in a tournament fishing for money with that pressure on the line. And so being able to go to these different lakes, fishing the Toyota series, fishing the BFLs, every one of those tournaments is a training experience for me. It's a learning experience for me. I'm trying to get better every day, you know, fishing the, uh, you know, I got my butt kicked at Texoma this year, uh, in a Toyota series event. They were on beds there. I got throttled. Okay. And it really ticked me off, honestly, but, uh, but you know what? I got better that week. And next time I have, if I have a pro circuit event there, a BPT event there at Texoma the next time, like I'll be that much more prepared at Texoma for that event. And you can't replicate that. You know what I'm saying? So that's the reason why I try to go to as many events as I can for sure. The other thing I was going to point out is the fact that uh, it is your first year on Bass Pro Tour. I think you're currently seventh place in, in points, um, mm-hmm. which tells it tells me, you know, a lot of guys really struggle going to that format. It's completely different than what, uh, you know, what you grow up doing or what you have experience doing, you seem to be able to handle the format regardless, whether it's a five fish or every fish counts. Is there anything that you did, you know, before you started the BPT to kind of prepare you for that? Other than like when I would catch fish, like playing around at Rayburn just over the winter, I, I just make sure I, I ha- I've released them below the gunnel. <laughs> no other than that no <laughs> yeah i so i you know i kind of like kept i mean i always i've always like try to keep my fish off carpet and stuff i mean just just for sake i mean um but no nah, joke i said that jokingly but i really did do that like when i as soon as i found out i was actually going to get in I, like every fish i catch like during the winter i'd, I'd make sure i drop just to get in the habit just to get in the habit. but all jokes aside um I have not approached a single Bass Pro Tour event any differently than I would any five fish tournament. I fish exactly the same with the exact same mentality at every event. It doesn't matter the format. I don't think the format makes a difference. I think that it it's all mental. Honestly, if you go to a lake, the, there is a strategy to the format, but it's pretty simple. Okay, If you're catching them, you know it, right? Because I'm telling you, if you're not catching them, 
you know it because they're telling you. You're getting your butt kicked. You know, you're in 35th place and you need to be at this. You know, they tell you that. It's instant feedback. Use it to your advantage. That's very simple. Anybody can do that, right? Now, you can't let it spin you out. Right. But I think it's actually like it's easy. Like, no, it's not easy in no way, no way, shape or form. Those guys are good. But whenever you know you're not doing the right thing because you're, they're giving you tangible results, you know, to go do something different. Or if you're right. doing the right thing and you're doing well, like, you know, like, hey, this is good. Like I'm doing it in a pro circuit event, like like in the knockout round, nobody knew that it was going to take 21 to make the cut. And then, so like, how, when do you stop? When do you go practice? You didn't. So you had to keep catching them until you had to go in, you know, but as far as it goes as, as, as a whole, man, like whether you're fishing the BPT format or you're fishing the, you know, pro circuit format, catching five, you go out there, we get two days of practice in either, in either circuit. If you go out there, you get a good understanding of the lake. You get a good understanding of the current conditions you fish freely and you know you figure it out you're gonna have a good event and the format doesn't matter yeah you know like you talk about well you know the bpt being numbers versus size and all that stuff man like if you're on a bunch of big ones and you catch seven of them a day but they're five pounds a piece you're gonna have a good day like you're gonna do well in the tournament you're gonna do fine you know it's not there somebody's not gonna just blow you out like they, somebody might let's just say somebody was on a school of two pounders and they catch 100 pounds and you catch 35 well you're still gonna make the knockout round like guarantee you know what i'm saying like yeah, not everybody's right. gonna be on those two pounders like and it all usually comes together like you know like it doesn't seem to really matter that much either you figure them out or you don't you just fish the format that you're fishing you know did you have did, did you have an advantage this past week in the title having fished that format with the bpt i mean outside of you know uh i mean it was kind of a mixture of both with the five fish but with the number of days did you have any advantage you think over anybody else in this format i don't know if i did or not i, I maybe the fact that you know i've just taught myself to fish so freely over the last several years, you know, like you talk about the number of events, like a, another thing that really has benefited me was like, is like getting my butt kicked at Okeechobee last year in the tour event and then driving 12 hours to Chickamauga to start practice for a day and a half for a Toyota series event, you know, like whenever you go from event to event and it's that drastic of a change, you have to fish freely. You can't be so dialed in on one certain thing. No, I'm going to catch them this way or I'm going to do this. Like you have to just go fishing every day because you're on a new lake every week. It's new conditions. You just went from Florida to the, like it's summertime in Florida. It felt like in February. Now it's wintertime still in, you know, Tennessee, like you're just fishing freely. And I would say that that has benefited me at the Bass Pro Tour level because we, if we're talking about the format, one thing that I would say is drastically different with that format, with the structure of the pro circuit title championship that we fished last week, you practice on Saturday and Sunday. And then you got the qualifying rounds at start. And by the time you fish championship Sunday, you're seven days from your last day of practice. Right. right. A lot has changed. Right. A lot has changed. So if you got really dialed in on something and that's what you were counting on, it probably isn't still a deal. You know, so if I had any advantage, maybe it would have been that just 
the fact that I'm fishing freely now, a lot more freely at this time, you know, like I'm not trying to get too dialed in on one little specific thing or a specific place or nothing like that, because these Bass Pro Tour events are so long that you got a lot of time for things to change and the conditions to fish everything. So you've got to be fishing on the fly. And I think that that's, you know, that may have helped me this week, not worrying about if I got back to a certain place and the bass were gone, but smallmouth are notorious for that anyways. So it didn't hurt my feelings when I showed up at a place and then I didn't get bit like, all right, fine. I go find, find them somewhere else, you know? And I think that may have helped me. Um, but I think that's also helped me at the pro circuit you know, in a five fish format in a regular derby, you know, um, still being able to make those adjustments during the day, even though you're fishing for five and not getting too wrapped up in one thing that you think you maybe should be doing because it worked in practice. Sure. Sure. I think that's a, that's a common thing we've heard from guys for the last several years at, at all the levels. I think that's what it takes between the extra pressure we're seeing on our lakes and and everything else, you know, some of these, you know, Toyota series fence are, you know, over 300 boats. So you get in those scenarios and you, you have to, you have to be able to just kind of roll with it. No doubt. I mean, the lakes fishing has just changed. It just is what it is, man. I mean, you can't graph around Tennessee river, find your five or six schools and think you're just going to go fish them. Like not with 250 boats, dude, <laughs> take a number, you know, like your whole day is going to be ruined by the time by nine o'clock because you're going to be so mad because ain't a dang place you found to have fish be open, you know, and, and it's, it's just, it's just the reality of it, man. The mapping's good. The electronics are good. Anglers are good. Learning curve is there. The information is there. It's just different. You've got to be doing something a little different and fishing the day, not yesterday or the day before and dang sure not the year before when you caught them there you know so one more bpt event up on malax uh coming up in a couple weeks how do you feel about that one i'm really excited uh i've never been there but um i tend to you know it seems like in places i've never been actually kind of work out better for me uh i think it's it goes right back to not having any preconceived notions just going fishing but um I'm excited about it. It's a smallmouth fishery. I love catching smallmouth. Like it every chance I get. The weather should be great. It's still going to be really hot in Texas. I'm going to be up there probably in a jacket, probably with too much clothes on because people will be making fun of me. But um, it should be a lot of fun. I don't have a whole lot of pressure on me in a sense that, you know, I think we're good for red crest. I think we're good for heavy hitters for next year. So I get to really go out, have fun, and try to win the event. I mean, that's the way I'm going to fish. I'm going to you know, shoot for that top 10, like I've done all year and then see where we fall in the, you know, hopefully make it to the championship round. I mean, I have no idea how, how it'll go. Um, but I'm going to, you know, do my best to try to do my best. Um, but I am going to go up there. So I'm flying home tomorrow. I'm going to hang out around home for a week and I'm flying back and I'm actually going to go up early and go fish some lakes around the area. It can't hurt for me to go to, you know, some of the lakes around there that may set up similar and at least just get back out there and get fishing, catch a few bass and just kind of see how the conditions go. Cause I have zero experience catching smallmouth in Minnesota. Now I can't think that they're too much different, but I'm sure they're, you know, just the environment and everything, <laughs> the forage, everything's got to be a little bit different. And so, um, I'm going to go just get familiar with some lakes around there and, and just have fun fishing for a few days before we start practice on the seventh. Yeah. David, what you got? So a little bit, most 
we're talking about smallmouth here, but I'm going to go what not this past, but the event before that. You caught a 710 at Cayuga. <laughs> what was going through your mind when, when you when you hooked that 710? Well, it felt like a center block. They're trying to jump every once in a while. I was really confused. I even said it like I was fighting her, and I was like, man, this doesn't feel like a bass. But every once in a while, like, she'd try to jump. And, like, I never saw it, but it would, like, I would just have to reel as fast as I could just to kind of catch up to it. So it felt like it was fixing to come five feet out of the water, but it would never break the surface, and it would always go back down. And it did that about three times uh while i was fighting it but whenever it would go back down it would just feel like a center block you know like a big flathead catfish down there swimming around it didn't really head shake or anything it was just kind of a slow constant pull of my drag and uh man i, I was thinking like kind of confused a little bit but i was like man it's I don't know. We just gotta, we just gotta fight it out. So I really took my time with it, and uh, I'm just glad it all worked out. Because when I seen her, it it was kind of one of them things where like you see a five pounder, and you're like, oh my god, it's five pounder, it's a big deal. Let me get this in a boat. When I seen that fish, I knew it was something like really special. Like don't mess this up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it was so, it was like it was so big that it was like I didn't even like freak out because it was it was a serious moment. Like it was like this is absolutely a fish of a lifetime. Don't screw this up. You know? And uh almost just unbelievable. I mean, it was it was I mean, I'll probably never catch one ever like that ever again. Like that's just unbelievable. Those those fish, I mean it's it's like they don't look real in the water, do they? No, man. I mean, it just, she was so wide. I guarantee uh, she was probably 12 inches wide at least, you know, uh, from top to bottom. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I didn't even, I wish I would have took measurements and all that stuff. But honestly, (laughs) the time, from the time she was out of the water to the time she was back in the water was, you know, no less than a minute. I mean, as soon as he gave me the weight, I put her back in the water. I let him get his camera out. We took a photo and I immediately let her go. And, you know, as much as I love five fish formats, I hope we continue to do them. It's our job to take care of them. And I think we did a great job this week at the St. Lawrence River. I never lost a bass all week, and they were all very healthy when I weighed them in. You can watch on the final day I weigh in. I absolutely got soaked while I was trying to weigh them in because my fish were flopping all over. But it was cool to catch that big of a fish and just, like, I didn't have to worry about her. Because if I was – I'd have had to stress about her all day because it – I mean, I – I waste. I mean, I'm a, I took a lot of time this week making sure my fish were okay. It was cool to be able to weigh her, take a picture, enjoy the experience, and watch her swim away. So that was really cool. Um, but I wish I'd at least got some measurements on her or something, and you know, where I could get a replica made or something. But and I could, I guess. But I was worried about trying to win a bass tournament. <laughs> it was like, this is great, seven ten. All right, let's go. <laughs> you know, let's go catch another one. But. Um, so just which, an experience of life. I'm extremely thankful for that. Not to put you on the spot, but which uh, which format do you prefer, five fish or the beep or the every fish format? Completely indifferent, man. Completely indifferent. Okay. I have been thoroughly enjoyed um, both of them. Um, I really, really enjoy five fish tournaments. I enjoy the weigh-ins and everything and all that. Um, but I've also really enjoyed the Bass Pro Tour. Honestly, I'm a lot more relaxed at Bass Pro Tour events, way more relaxed. I, even to this day, like even after qualifying for the BPT and stuff, I go back down to the pro circuit and I'm like way more amped up and like nervous in a way. Like I wouldn't say ner- just 
I'm just more relaxed and laid back in the VPT events. I think it's just because of the format. Like you got 30 minutes to ride around. You don't have to like hurry and tear up your boat. And you know, if the weather's bad, it, whatever, you know, and then you've got the 15 minute breaks where I get to just regroup and retie and, you know, drink some water. So I'm not completely dehydrated by the end of the day. And then, you know, at four o'clock lines are in, I can ease back in. I don't tear up my boat trying to get back at a certain time because I can't, I don't allow myself to check in more than a minute before I'm due in. So you can imagine, like, I always push it to the limit, which I shouldn't do, but I just do. Like, I mean, I want to optimize every minute I got out there. So just the feel of the Bass Pro Tour events seem to be a little bit more relaxed for me in a way, like knowing where you stand in the event. I'm not sitting there in the way in line, nervous as crap, wondering whether I actually did good or not, you know, so. I, I really enjoy both of them. Um, I'm glad that I have the opportunity to fish both of them. It's been great. You know, I mean, where else can a guy go? You know, for a kid that's looking, that's fixing to graduate from college or, you know, thinking about pursuing a career fishing, you know, where else can you have the opportunity to fish 14 or, you know, let's just say 13 professional events and have an opportunity to win $100,000 or more at every one of them, you know, qualify for two championships that pay out over 200,000. Like how awesome of an opportunity is that to be able to fish the pro circuit and the Bass Pro Tour financially? There's so many opportunities for a guy to make money. You know, like that blows anything else away. Like, you know, you you and so um I really really enjoy being able to fish both of them. Um fishing different fisheries and going on, and they they flow together so well. You know, like they really structure the Bass Pro Tour schedule and the Pro Circuit schedule together to where it, it all flows. And it's just, uh, I'd hate to have to choose one or the other, honestly. Sure. So I assume you're, uh, go ahead, Kent. I'm sorry. It, in other words, he just he just likes to compete and get paid doing it. Yeah. That's what he's saying. Absolutely. <laughs> Who doesn't? Who doesn't, man? I don't, yeah, man. I mean, whether it's a BFL or it's a, a Toyota Series Pro Circuit event, you know, I'll go fish a Bassmaster Open. I'm going to try to get in the Bassmaster Open at Rayburn. Uh, I don't know if I'll be able to get in it, but I mean, it's one of their last events. I don't know if they'll take any outside entries or not, but if they let me in and I'm going to fish it, you know. Uh, just wants to take your money. That's it. That's exactly right. Well, exactly I, mean, right. It ain't, I mean, hey, look, my money's been took plenty of times. I'm trying <laughs> to take my money back. You know what I'm saying? I want my money back. <laughs> but uh so I, look man look i'll always be humble and you know it, it, this bass fishing if you ain't humble like you will be humbled very soon oh yeah there's no doubt about that so but you can't win if you don't enter and at the end of the day we're trying to make a living fishing here and we're trying to represent our sponsors and our business partners and and to uh build our brand build their brand and we do that i do that by entering bass tournaments i'm not a big influencer on social media. I mean, my I feel like my influence is growing simply because I've been fortunate enough to do well in events, and that's a great thing. It's a great thing for the people I'm working with now, uh, people I'll work with in the future. But I didn't put that horse in front of that carriage, I didn't feel like. I felt like I needed to have the credibility on the tournament side and to have success, and then the influence will follow, right? And so, um, you know, just trying to enter as many of those events as I can to get better to get that credibility to be able to, you know, actually when a sponsor invests in me, know that they're going to get somebody that, you know, is well credible and, and can represent them well at the professional level and not just be a social influencer. 
you know? So, uh, that's just me, man. I'm just trying to enter compete and get better every day. And if it's a bass open or it's a BFL or it's a major league fishing event, I, I'm, I'm all in, you know, if I, if I have the resources and the time to do it. Sure. <clears throat> well, brother, I'm going to tell you, I'm impressed with you. Uh, it's been fun watching you, uh, this year. We still got one more event to go and I'm pulling for you, dude. I'm in your corner. I mean, I, I, I won't pick you anymore. You know, for the you know, <laughs> until you win one, I won't pick you. I'll leave you alone. But um, I have a I have a very I have a good feeling, guys, that you're going to be back on this show very soon after you win one of these deals, and we're going to have a big old freaking party here when you do it. So, I mean, we're man, I appreciate it so much. I really do the the support and everything, man. The encouragement, man. It, it's uh, it truly means a lot. I appreciate it, and uh, you know, I I. I at the end of the day, like I said at the beginning of this, I know the bigger picture is the important thing here and that all these close calls and all this, this is doing nothing but making me better in the end. And it's going to make it that much sweeter when I do, if I do have the opportunity to win. So I'm thankful for all of it, taking it in stride and day by day. Very good. Well, buddy, be safe traveling. Good luck at Malax. And uh, like I said, I'm, I'm sure we're going to be talking to you again soon. Perfect, man. Thank you so much. Thank you, bud. Talk to you soon. Well, guys, there he is, Dakota Ebear. Good dude. Really enjoyed that conversation. So, yep. It, you know, and there's, you know, Dakota has kind of explained, you know, his situation, but there's several other guys that, that are, that are kind of following suit. You know, he talked about how many events he's fished since 2019. And, and I, I'm, I've seen that with some other guys. There's some other guys in the lower levels that are kind of doing the same thing. I, you're going to see some more guys, you know, that, that feed up that are, that are going to be ready when they get that opportunity. And it looks like, you know, Dakota was ready when he got the opportunity. I think there's some more young guys that'll kind of follow suit with that. I agree. I agree. And it's, uh, I mean, dude, top 10, you know, the last two years on a pro series circuit and, uh, qualifying for the BPT, you know, qualifying again this year, he didn't have to, but he did. That opened the door for some other guys, and um, yeah, really, really cool deal. Uh, excited to have him on the show uh, next week. On next week's show, I've already got lined up. Your title champ, Spencer Sheffield, will be here to talk about his win, his first win. Uh, been around for a long time. I uh, was a co-angler for a long time. His dad fished the FLW Tour when it was around, and um, I, you know, I just. I remember seeing his dad and seeing him a long time ago when I was out on tour, out there after working and doing things and seeing those guys together. So it was uh, really, it's going to be a really good interview. Looking forward to that next week. He's traveling tonight uh, as we record this, so he couldn't be on, but we got him lined up for next week. But excited to have Dakota on. Uh, great dude. And I'm, I'm more of a fan now than I was before. Just, 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 just from getting talked to him for a little bit. So, Take a quick little break. We come back. I'm not sure what we'll get into. We'll find something here right here on the Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. I feel like IsoChill definitely allows me to stay on the water longer. When you talk about 14 hour days of practice on the water, that's a long time. And most people are gonna come up with an excuse to get off. And I don't feel like I get that same fatigue. And a lot of that benefit comes from what I'm wearing. Sun protection, breathability, comfort, IsoChill, honestly, it just helps me be more competitive and stay on the water longer. 
Sportsman's Warehouse is your one-stop, convenient place to shop. Whether you're into camping, hunting, or fishing, our expert associates can help you find the gear you need. We carry a huge assortment of quality equipment from the best manufacturers in the country and around the world. We have guns, ammo, rods, and lures, not to mention every kind of outdoor clothing for the whole family. You can shop in one of our fully stocked stores or visit us online at sportsmanswarehouse.com. Visit Sportsman's Warehouse. Shop one of over 60 locations. Whether day or night, I love to tie one on. Every day of the week, I like to tie one on. I don't care who's looking, I always tie one on. Every time I go on the water, I love to tie one on. You may not know this about me, but every once in a while, I've been known to tie one on. Come on, man. Join the Stray King team. All you got to do, tie one on. <laughs> I think I always tie one on. I'm a bro neck on the water, man, I fish hard. I be catching them bass that be breaking your rod. Knowing nothing in life but to rip some lips. And you can quote me, boy, because I always catch fish. Welcome back, folks. Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. Yes, David, I've been spending too much time on TikTok, watching fishing videos and uh, saving sounds and, and all that good stuff. So I apologize for that. But uh, I don't apologize for it. But... I figured you'd get a kick out of that. But uh, welcome back. Center brought to you by our friends at Sportsman's Warehouse. You're fishing an outdoor store. Of course, get online, sportsmans.com, and on your in, in store at Sportsman's Warehouse. Going to a few grand openings coming up, one down in Seminole, Florida, 1st of September, then again in Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, the week after that. And then in December got a store coming to Jacksonville, Florida. So all you Sportsman's Warehouse fans, get uh, get excited. They're opening up a few new stores. And, of course, uh, we can't forget our friends at Revital Outdoors. If you've not signed up or got online and signed up for the Revital Outdoors giveaway, you can go to our website, anglerchannel.com, click on Contest. There's two giveaways there. There's a $2,500 fishing giveaway and a Revital Axis deer hunt. Click those links. Get signed up. Get your name in the hat. You could be a big winner. Been using the Revital CBD. Nola Jane got fixed last week. Um, and what's funny is I sent her home with a, a, basically a pain, you know, some pain medicine, but also a, uh, a prescription to kind of calm her down, right? She's an eight-month-old black lab female. Energy levels about on 112, right? I mean, she's freaking screaming all the time. And it doesn't matter. I mean, they cut them wide open. They do what they got to do. They put them back together. And she comes home like, I'm good. Let's go run. Let's go play. And we're like, no, 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 no. I can't do that. Well, from iCast, I got some of the CBD dog treats that they gave me. Dude, let me tell you. Let me tell you, the, the trazodone they gave her, yeah, doesn't really work, right? It's not really slowed her down at all, you know? One of those knocks me on my butt. Her, not so much. But the CBD dog, dog treats calmed her down, got her kind of mellow. She's got the munchies, but I'm just kidding. But it keeps her kind of mellow. She's good to go. And, uh, I mean, she's still wild as all get out. I mean, she's, you know, runs 100 miles an hour, but... Um, you know, she does have some mellow times, and so we we appreciate those. And I'm still doing the soft gels, and they've been great. So, I mean, I'm sitting here with no no problems, and, I mean, I'm just old and tired. That's about it. But uh, anyway, so, KG, how are you? I know your daughter 
We talked about it earlier, then we got interrupted. So we're going to get back into it again. Your daughter just left United well, States yesterday. of America yesterday. Well, but I mean, she's M- Monday afternoon. It depends on when people listen to this. Well, as to when Wednesday morning was. is when they're going to listen to it. So Monday is when she left. Some right? may not listen until Friday morning. Well, that's fine. So on Monday she left, and she's where? She is in uh, Iceland. Why? Isn't it cold there? Uh, no, it's like uh, today it should have been like low 50s. Okay. <laughs> All right. So what's she doing in Iceland? She is on a um, trip for school. She's studying abroad. Uh, she'll be there for three months, and she will end up in 13 different countries. Now, this is, a, this is a young lady who has not flown before until, what, a month ago? You guys took a flight uh, from Huntsville to yeah, Atlanta? Mid, middle of July. I put her on a plane in Huntsville. We flew to Atlanta just so she would <laughs> have an idea of what it's like being in a plane. All 35 minutes of it. Yes. Up it's, and you're down. I mean, that was it. Yes. yes. <laughs> there, there was but no food she, service in that plane. They don't have time to serve it. No, but she, you know, she, she knows... She saw what it was like to go through an airport. Of course, you know, Atlanta Airport's an entity all to itself. You should have drove to Atlanta, gone through Atlanta Airport, and then flew home because that's that compared to Huntsville, dude, that's like walking down my street versus walking down Broadway. I mean, that's, or, or, you know, in the middle of, uh, you know, um, New Orleans and Mardi Gras, right? I mean, it's two different worlds. So. She still kind of got the to experience some of that by, you know, getting from the terminal to where my wife picked us up. Sure. Uh, you know, right outside baggage claim there. But you're such, enough for her you're such a great it. husband. You send your wife driving to Atlanta while you fly <laughs> to Atlanta. Uh, look, my wife getting on a plane is not going to happen. <laughs> I did her a favor. By being the one going on the plane, she she eagerly volunteered to drive to pick us up. My wife been like, "You rent your but a car and drive yourself. I want to just fly back, right? Just 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 I, just, just, I, just turn around and come home." So, I would have rather just flown right back, but <laughs> so, that, that wasn't an option. So she got on the flight to Nashville and she did fine, I assume, everything. Or she's not going to tell you if she if she had a, a meltdown on the plane or anything. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Mama gave no, her some she, good drugs. So. Well, she, she went from Nashville to Minneapolis. She said it was a little bumpy landing in Minneapolis, yep. uh, the, the descent. Um, I have not heard comments of leaving there and landing in Iceland, uh, which would have been, she would have landed about 2.30 our time, okay. which was 7.30 their time. They're five hours ahead of us. Gotcha. Okay. All right. And she's been on a bus touring all day long. Where, where they're staying tonight was probably about two and a half to three hours away from where she landed. So, but along the way, they had stops, and I'm seeing pictures. It's 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 pretty cool what she's seen already in the day that she's been there. So she flies over, and there's some guy with a with a, with a sign that's holding it up, and and you know, for your- <laughs> it's like a group. It's a group of 40 students. Oh wow! And there's uh, two different sets of of grownups that kind of monitor them while they're there and make sure they're where they go. And <laughs> it's it's a well old machine. They've been doing this for years, and they've got it. Down to a T. So from Arkansas to Alabama to Iceland, that's. Well, you know, it's the funny thing is she, she was the last, I don't know, maybe the last week or so, the last couple of days, she's kind of been selling this as though, you know, it's not that big of a deal. If I was in Arkansas, 
I wouldn't be coming home anyway. What's the difference of Arkansas or being over, you know, being in Europe? <laughs> Plane tickets, book, sweetheart. Don't, the difference? Why is she still trying to sell it to you? Did y'all just put the tickets Sunday? I mean, <laughs> I, 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 she, I think she was trying to get her mom to calm down. But I, her mom's thinking, well, I, I can get to you in Arkansas. I can come see you in Arkansas. You may not come home, but I can come see you. I can come see, see you. you. I can't get to Iceland, right? So. Exactly. Wow. Wow. What's the bigger culture shock, Arkansas or Iceland? <laughs> I'm going to say Arkansas. <laughs> I have I have not gotten enough feedback yet to to know that. Well, good. I'm glad she's uh, glad she's enjoying that and uh, whatnot. I get the call last week that my son has broken his bed, his apartment. And I'm like, okay, what's her name? He's like, Daddy just broke. I don't know how. The box springs just broke, and I'm like, okay. Well, there you go. So he said, what do I do? I say, well, you take the box springs out, you move the bed frame, put the mattress on the floor. You're young enough. Enjoy. You know, you'll be fine. Trust me. Don't worry about it. So it's like, well, can I fix it? Nope. Just go ahead and pitch it. Do he see me pictures and FaceTiming me? When my son FaceTimes me, it means one of two things. And neither one are good. I can promise you that. There's an injury somewhere or something's tore up or he's trying to fix something that has no business fixing. So, um, yeah, that's well, that. You know, there's some things in life that, that our kids just have to kind of learn on their own. And sometimes it, it takes going through scenarios like that to understand what, what can or may happen and dig their way through it. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. So 100%. So, David, how about you? How's life up north for you? This. Day by day, I've got, what, a week and a half before the one? Well, just a little over a week before my kids go back to school. What? So. They're still not in school? I mean, I'm not doing... Hell, my nope, kids are my almost kids... doing finals. What What in the world? We live in a different world. <laughs> we don't start school at the beginning of August. Well, that's like, true. Y'all have seasons for mass, too. Their... So, I mean, that's, you know, that's that. They have to enjoy the, <laughs> the last part of the summer they got. That's it. That's it. So, I mean, football season starts and y'all start. I mean, or y- y'all school starts. That, 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 that's more or less a good way to do it. Okay. Good way to do it. Well, good. Glad to, uh, glad to hear that. Um, big weekend this past weekend. Spencer Sheffield wins the title. We talked about that a little bit with Dakota Ebear a few minutes ago. On our previous section, um, the 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 fun part was looking through all the you pick them guesses, right? And there's about I don't know thirty of us. I say us because I'm included that really didn't read the rules prior to picking that title champion final day, right? We just we didn't think there was going to be a five fish deal. So my 119 pounds or whatever I put, along with Matt Lazenby, sorry, Matt, I'm going to call you out, and a bunch of others. I mean, there's a bunch of them. that I mean, it's like in the hundreds, right? 80s, 90s, and a bunch in the hundreds. I'm like, eh, it was 22-something or 20-something, whatever it was. And I'm like, yeah, we kind of screwed the pooch on that one. But uh, like a really good event. I know Charity was keeping me informed on some stuff throughout the week, and uh, great event up there. David did a great job getting all the results up and then uh, and whatnot, which you always do, buddy. Um, and then you've got, um, what was it? We had Lake Oahe. Is that right? I did watch a little bit of live from both of these this week in Oahe. It just it seemed a little off to me. Is that Was it off for, for the most part, guys, from what they thought it was going to be? Yeah, I think the guys that, the guys that went there last year um, – said that the fishing was much better than what it was now. Uh, I even heard that the forage that they were chasing was much bigger 
but most of the fish now were, were chasing after small bait. Really? So last year it wasn't wasn't that way. I mean, guys were thinking that it was mid twenties or better a day to do well. Okay. All right. And uh Austin Felix captured his first uh his first tournament win. What did he what did he this is funny because you know what when he came into the elites a few years ago from the opens, my God, I know that guy. Where did he come from? Right? And of course, our own AC insider, Mr. Kenneth Grover, excuse me, this morning through our group text, he's like, Well, you know, he he finished he finished what sixth in that cup where Dakota finished third. And I'm like, What? No, that's that guy. No, and sure enough, that's him. I've seen him in college. I saw him definitely before. I just really never pegged him. I never, never really, you know, spent much time watching him. Because I mean, I'm not. I don't mean any disrespect at all. But in the past, right, we'd go to an FLW Cup, and there'd be about I don't know, 10, 12, 15 guys that you really didn't know who they were, right? I mean, you just didn't know. And you'd see him on the on the show floor during the during the show and stuff, and you're like, ah, who are you? I, you know, but at that time there was like 285 of those guys, right? They were everywhere. So you know, I I remember seeing him now on stage. I remember seeing him, but uh, totally didn't place him at all until you said that this morning, KG, that that he was you know a former FLW guy, but. Austin gets his first win, and uh, what did he take? 71 pounds, 9 ounces. And I've not gone back to look at it, but why is there a picture of a dude with a fake mullet in a American flag Speedo in the back of a deep V-boat next to Matt Robertson? And Robertson's not wearing any pants. Is that, did y'all, anyone of y'all see this? I've not had a chance to go back and find the live, but I only saw it because David forwarded the picture earlier. Okay, <laughs> what what? It didn't sound right. Any idea? I know, right? Any idea why that occurred, David? Hey, it is what it is. It is. Any idea why that occurred, David? I think it, I, I'm. A, I think that happened on Saturday, and I didn't get a chance to tune in uh, this weekend at all. I thought it was. I, I'm pretty sure happened, it was so. on Sunday. I, I could be wrong, but uh, I was trying to look back and see if they they don't post a live on the website anymore. I don't think. Um, I know Taku had a big day on Sunday. He had a big weekend too, but on Sunday. But uh, I really want to know the story behind that. I got, a, I did receive a few text messages. I sent some to you guys, wanting to know what we thought of, you know, Matt doing that. And he said, you know, I got one text. Love to hear what you guys think of what Matt Robertson on live. This person felt like it was not good for the sport in his view. He likes Matt. Thinks Matt's good for the sport, um, but not hurt. You know. I, I've got to go back and get the context. I'm really not sure exactly what happened uh, or why he's fishing in his waddy tighties. I don't want to know. I don't. I don't want to see him ever again. I just don't. I, I can't get that image out of my brain at this point. So, you know, I, I, I'll say this, Chris, and I think I, I made this comment to you guys a couple of weeks ago. I've made it before, but and I'm I'm probably a little on the conservative side, but you know. To me, professional fishing doesn't need extra things to try to either bring in just 
extra drama or or whatever. The, the storyline doesn't need it. Professional fishing should be able to hold its own with, you know, between the anglers and what they do and they catch fish. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, to me, it doesn't need the extra drama or things that some people tend to bring in. You know, Mike Iaconelli did it early in his career. He doesn't do it near as much now. It was kind of... And and I I'll be honest with you, I wasn't really a fan of Mike early on. I it, I wasn't. It almost seemed it almost seemed like it was he was doing it on purpose. It's right. not it wasn't genuine. Um I understand I mean I understand what his purpose was and understand what he was trying to accomplish. I'm just in in my opinion, I don't think it's necessary. I think sometimes, and I and I don't know what the situation is, but I think sometimes guys can get carried away in trying to create certain personas about themselves mm-hmm. that you just, at some point it just goes a little too far. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, agree. I, I am a Mike Ike fan now. I, I you know, I understand, I understand him a lot better now. He's not the same as he was back then. I think he's grown up some, obviously as you know, as he's gotten older and things have changed, he's in a different, different part you know, in his life. Oh yeah. I am a, I'm a huge Mike fan. I think he's great for the sport. He's done a lot for the sport and he should be commended on that. Uh, I am a fan of Matt Robertson as well. So I hope that, I hope that this is just kind of a one-time incident and, you know, he moves on from this. No, I agree. I agree. And I'll, I'll do a little more digging into, into the, uh, the context of this and, and what happened, but this, uh, this little deal is kind of short lived for, for Felix because they're going to turn and they are currently practicing for Wisconsin for lacrosse. Dave, I know you told me you're getting ready to head up there uh, hopefully uh, this weekend. But let's take a look real quick while we're talking about this at Angler of the Year. I can't remember how big Polonix's lead was, but I know you guys were, were texting earlier in the week. 40, 46 points maybe? I'm just trying to bring it off the top Is of my head. I, I, know I think you're right. Forty-six early on, and it's somewhere in that range. Yeah, and so he had a choice. He had a chance to kind of, you know, to, to lock it up. Uh, Cox was was pushing him pretty hard, um, but neither one of those guys did much at Oahe. And they, they've opened the door for other guys. They have. I mean, right now, Brandon Lester's thirty-seven points back, and I mean, Lester's been on a tear this year i mean he's won an open he's won an elite series event he's had a heck of a year let me see right now i mean his worst finish this year wow his worst finish this year is 42nd at lake fork right he's had a fifth place uh 23rd 28th 30th a win 32nd and 37th at hawaii so he's 37 points back Apollonic Johnston is 46 points back. Chris Johnston, his worst finish this year is 63rd at the Harris chain. So he's, uh, I mean, he's on his heels. And then Mullins, I don't want to say Mullins is a long shot, but I mean, he's, he's 40, he's 50 points back right now. So Mullins would need some help from a couple of guys. He would. A couple of guys would have to struggle. He would. But you look, Polonik's worst finish this year is, in fact, his event at Wahi at 66. Prior to that, his worst finish was 26 at the Harris Chain. What I'm seeing from Brandon is which we, what we've seen all along the last, last couple of years. But in his early years on tour, it was when, it was, it was when they had a win and you're in 
at the classic type deal, right? Back at that time. And we would get down to the end of the season with a couple events to go. And I was on the road with them a lot. And it was always, if I win this one, I'm going to class. If I win that one, I'm going to class. And I'm like, dude, just let's just be consistent. I love the win. Don't get me wrong. I'm all for it. But let's let's get that consistency going, right? And I, it's great to see 20, a 26, a third, a 12th, a second, a seventh, a 25th, and now a 66. So if he'll he'll write the ship, but will it be enough to 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 capture Angler of the Year, David? I think it might be just enough. I know like when he, this first couple of years, especially the year that he got DQ'd when he was leading, he uh, did pretty well on the Mississippi River around lacrosse area. But the last few times, I believe, he hasn't done as well. But he, I think he would finish like in the middle of the pack. So it's he might be just enough. But it's like, like Kenneth said, I think there's a lot of things that would have to unfold for these other guys to really like, like for, was it for David Mullins? He'll have to win and hope that Brandon pretty much bombs this one if, if for him to do well. But um, I think Brandon does just enough to, uh, to seal it this year though. What about, what about Cox? He's back at five eighty five and fifth. Is he too far out? I think Cox should do well in this tournament. I think so. I think he missed an opportunity this past event. I think he really needed to kind of close that gap up in this last event, and he didn't He didn't accomplish that. Sure, sure. Well, right now, you look down, and it looks like they don't have the cut line in here for the classic. Cut line is usually around what, David? 40, 42? 30-something. Like 30 38, somewhere in there. Yeah, like mid thirties, I think, and then depending on how, um, what was that? Uh, uh, double qualifiers. And yeah, all that so stuff. Christie's thirty fifth right now in points. Uh, so he should, with a good event, he should double qualify. Uh, but you look at some names in here. Those Zaldane's having a great year. He'll qualify. Benton Walters, Taku will go. Matt Robertson having a solid year in tenth right now, even despite the Waddy tighties. Uh, Kenta, Corey Johnston, uh, he and Chris both are doing well. Blaylock's back in there. Um, you know, Gussie, uh, Zakurit, how'd you like that? They would almost mess it up. But Swindle's <laughs> having a solid year this year as well. Swindle's worst finish this year is a 55th at Pickwick, which is a surprise because that's, that's a home lake for him for the most part. But a 55th at Pickwick. Um, but, I mean, he had a great event at Wahi. He had 19th there. So, um, he's made a good run. Canterbury has really rebounded from last year. Mark Frazier, right? He's had a great year this year. Here's where finished with 65th at St. Lawrence River. Had a fourth at Hawaii. He kind of come out. He's, he's been kind of one of those under-the-radar kind of guys this year. So it's uh, it's good to see Hackney's in there. Prosnick, first year back, 30th in points right now. So a lot of guys, they can't win under the year, but they can certainly lose the classic. Carl Jakobsen's in 42nd place. He is so close to making that classic cut. He needs a good event here. He really does. He finished 61st at Hawaii. That was in, wasn't his worst finish. He's had a 72nd at Harris Chain, but he's had a solid middle of the pack or mid mid-season here to kind of get him back in contention. So, would love to this, see him make his first a, classic. This event is a win, and you're you're in the classic, isn't it? No, uh, uh-uh. 
I don't according think. to what I I thought I heard Ronnie say that on on air. It, well, I don't know you know what? There was a lot me. said on air this past weekend, from <laughs> what I understand, from Such and Ronnie. There were a lot a lot that said on air. I understand. I think a little slip up too that the elites are going to a hundred next year. Don't hold me to that, but it was it was mentioned. But I I, I don't think it, it shouldn't be a win you're in. I, I don't know if they're having those anymore. I, I don't know why they did it, but I heard him say it multiple times. It's something about the, the last event. It's a win and you're in. I, I don't know why they've done it. Maybe hoping some guys fish the last event and, and don't skip it. I, I don't I don't know why well, they would the, do that. I don't know why they did it. The skip. last time they had win and you're in was what? I think Texas Fest. Usually like it's a Texas couple years Fest. Ago. I think that was that was the only the, the last time they had a win and you're in event. So I'm so. trying I'm trying to see if there's any info on it. And there's there's nothing yet. I'll have to uh, Text your boy Ronnie. You you guys are BFFs now, not me. So you, you you're it's more not you guys. It's David. I was talking about David. 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 I'm telling David to text his <laughs> text his boy Ronnie and and see. I I don't. You know they used to they used to have those info sheets on everything, and I don't I don't see it other than take off and weigh in. Um. So they're they're not giving me much uh, much information here at all. But uh, we'll have to see what that what, what that details. But That'll be uh, that'll be an interesting one. Looking forward to seeing that uh, pan out this week and how that's going to go. And of course, we still got a little bit till we get over to the Bass Pro Tour uh, till they wrap up on Malax. But Wheeler holding a pretty significant lead over Jordan Lee right now. Andy Morgan out in Jones, Randall Tharp, Zach Birch, Dakota Eber in seventh, Van Dam in eighth, Lawyer in ninth, and Chris Lane in tenth. It's good to see Dakota. And lawyer up there because they qualified this year, right? It's good to see yeah. those guys doing well. Lucas, you know, and I'm going to go back to this. We talk about it every now and again, but I need to go back and, and do the side by side on on who fished both trails, right? But it seems like a lot of the guys fishing both trails: Burge, Ebear, Lawyer, um, Skeet Reese, Skeet Reese J- uh, Justin Lucas, and others. They're having decent years, right? They're having decent years, and why is Ronnie Moore? This is this is hilarious. Ronnie Moore just sent me a text. It says, "We still friends." I, I, you know, this is because he responded to my text. Did he? <laughs> He's probably what did what. what did you say on his text on your on your text? All I said, all I said was, "Hey, Ronnie, is Mississippi River a win and you're in for the classic?" And he said, "Yes, sir. That's it." So he must have felt offended that you didn't reach out to him. I, and it was me doing the. You know, work. this is hilarious. This is this is. You know what we're gonna do? We're, we're gonna we're gonna do this because we can, right? So we're gonna do this right now, and I'm gonna see if he'll actually pick up. Let's let's see. Let, let's let let's see what's well, this going is on. A big deal. When this, you're in, all of it's a sudden, huge I mean, deal. When people don't know. It's we a, need to talk about. It. Hey, Ronnie. Hello. So what's the what's the what's the premise behind this text you just sent me? Because I got David over here asking for info that I know is going in a podcast and I'm not well, getting invited on the podcast. Well, so hang on. Just know? just in, in all transparency, we're recording right now. You are on the Angler's <laughs> Channel Insider Podcast. Welcome, Ronnie Moore, See, to, to the show. This is how I am. I, you know, I, I need the love just sometimes to, to know that I'm loved. Well, I just need, we're, I just need we're still, the text, you know? We're still, we're still butts, right? We're, we're good. You and me, we're good. <laughs> but I'm trying to anchor this show and carry this load on my back. And so David's up there saying, well, Ronnie said it's a win when we're in. I'm like, listen, there was a lot said on live this week. 
that we got to get back to. But I mean, uh, Kenneth said it. Sorry. So I just I look at David. I said, just text your boy Ronnie. He'll he'll respond to you. I knew you'd get back to him. Of course. So, but uh, so I even responded to you, who didn't even text me. I know, I right? Throwing out texts that's, everywhere. That's what's funny was he popped up my phone. I'm like, oh crap! I've done pissed him off. But so first of all, first of all, congratulations on your little girl. She is beautiful, and thank God she looks like your wife. That's all I can say. Thank you. You know, I'm. There's 50-50. She looks like her. 50-50. She looks like me. You know, and and I think she gets her attitude from me. And it depends what she wears. You know, if she's really adorable like me, or if she's just adorable like Sarah. You know, it's just it's a back and forth deal. But wow. uh, no, it, it's, it's been super. It's been super fun uh, having her in our life and sharing it with all the fishing world. You know, it's it's weird. I'll say at church, uh, there's groups of groups of couples and they always split off to like the wives and the husbands yeah. and I'm always with this group of wives talking about babies because I am just obsessed and all the guys are talking about golf and, and I'll talk about that with them as well but man I am all about the baby talk I'm torn up I asked Sarah the other day when we're having another one and oh, wow. she said do you really want two or two and I said maybe I don't know I never had two or two wow wow <laughs> So yeah, that's awesome. I'm not only the king of fantasy, but I'm just you know life's good in all in all aspects. Well, I, so. I'm I'm glad you're king of something, brother. I, I, I'm glad that uh, she's beautiful. She really is. I'm I'm enjoying all the social Thank media. You. I actually had a guy. Speaking of golf, I had a guy the other day on the golf course asked me. He said, "Hey, what's your handicap?" And I just said, "Golf." That's my handicap. I can't play it, right? So <laughs> swinging and uh, swinging a club, yeah, pretty much just anything regarding golf. That's my handicap. So. So explain the win you're in on this last event. What makes this one special? So this kind of stems back, and and I don't think any of this stuff that I'm saying is like I'm not supposed to be saying it. But, you know, back in the day when we had Toyota Texas Fest, you know, and it was deemed that. It wasn't just the Texas event. You know, it was Toyota Texas Fest. They gave the Tundra away for Big Bass, and uh, everyone got a check back in the day, those types of things. It was the win and end event. Right. Well, a few years ago, when uh, there was no longer like a truck up for grabs for Big Bass, and it was the normal payout for Big Bass, which you know has been a couple thousand per daily Big Bass, and then overall gets the most, you know, an extra thousand or something for for overall. Um, once the truck, I think, went away, and we didn't have a designation to make it like a TTBC event. It, uh, we, we had to find a way to keep that classic spot in the elite field. You know, they want to have that extra spot, not extra spot, but they want that win and in option. And instead of doing it at a random mid season event, um, you know, depending on what the midway point of the year is last year, we moved it to, cause this is now the second year we've done this. We moved it to the St. Lawrence last year. So Taku winning got him double qualified. If Atkins would have won last year, he would have punched his ticket from below the classic cut. That's right. I remember that. Um, so this year, yeah, the Mississippi River, the final event of the season. And, you know, honestly, other than just the drama aspect of it, of maybe an extra spot in the classic down the AOI list, or maybe a guy who's had a tough year gets to have a breakthrough moment and, and all of his goals are achieved at the final event. That's, that's kind of what I like about it is those guys who are maybe on their, you know, last leg, they know that possibility of getting kicked out of the elites, you know, at the end of the season or 
they're they're a top 10 angler notoriously and then they're having an 80th place season you know uh not to single out people but iconelli hank cherry yeah. kyle welcher guys who are supposed to be in the top you have a one-off year that's terrible uh, you could still accomplish your classic goal by just winning an event at the end of the year so um there's definitely something that's useful for it and i like that it's the last event because We've got AOI up for grabs. If that if that fight fizzles out after two days, ROI, same thing if it fizzles out after two days. If the classic cut is kind of solidified going into the final day, there's still something on the line other than the 100000 and that is an instant birth to the classic, which could have somebody watching at home very excited, like last year uh, with John Cox actually watching at home and Taku punching his ticket. Oh, yeah. And this year with right now, uh, Jason Williamson, he's not going to be at home necessarily. He might be fishing still, but you know, the first guy out of the projected classic cut line being very excited. Someone else is either fishing on their behalf, you know, possibly double qualifying or a solo dude having a great event to end his season. So somebody, you know, like a Jake Whitaker last week, that got 11th, you know, someone who's outside the classic cut that just gets on a hot streak at the end of the year. Yep. Um, maybe, maybe makes all their dreams come true, you know? Which is cool. So right now, the projected classic cut is what? So it's it's forty three right now in the okay. standing. So we always have so we have thirty nine from the AOI race. You get the defending classic champ, and that's uh, that's a spot for Jason Christie. But he's in the line. He's, he's in the cut line right now. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as he stays there, it goes to forty. Then we have Lester Kamira. And Livesey, who have all won opens this year, mm. are all inside that line as well. Livesey's the only one other than Christie who is like close. So you get those four guys bump it to 43. You have four more opens left that could possibly change uh, the list and double qualify people if you know an elite angler wins one of the last ones. And uh, and then this winning in pops in there as well. So you have 43 with the possibility of a uh, you know 40. Eight maximum gotcha. in the AOI standing. Okay. So yeah. Okay. All right. And and I don't know. I'm interested to know. And this is a different topic, but I'm interested to know next year when we have a nine event open season like we do this year. But to make the elites, you have to fish all nine. How many double qualifiers that we we normally snatch three to five out of the opens out of the nine events? You know, an, an elite angler wins one of them. Right. I don't with a nine event season like next year. People who are invested in doing that would have fished each in each division, you know, they would have fished all three in the Southerns, all three in the Northerns, all three in the Centrals. So will we see less double qualifiers over the next few years with this format of opens? And, and I'm interested to see that, you know, well, that's a good point. I, I am too, because that, that's a lot of, I, that's a, that's a lot of the events next year for guys. And, and a lot of guys will still sure. do it, but it'll be interesting to see uh, how much time gets put into that to see how that CLE double qualify. Which Brandon takes this thing home this week? Man, I, I love I love BP and, and BL for sure. Uh, and, and even Chris Johnston uh, has a shot, just a couple more points behind uh, Lester. But I would say um, – let, let me just preface this. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna necessarily pick one right off the top, but I'll, <laughs> let me just preface that. Let me preface that. Um, I said at the beginning of the season with Kyle Jesse that Lester winning that first open could really set him on fire, and he could win an elite this year. And I said he was my pick for AOI. And so not only has he won one, but now he's second in points. Like I feel like 
I picked Josh Strasner as rookie of the year. I picked Lester as angler of the year, you know, and, and I'm, I'm on a good streak of picking guys. And, and so that would be very cool if Lester did come through and win that uh, and win, you know, especially coming from where he did in the points after just two events left. Sure. Uh, with that being said, 37 points for Polinick. That's still a very good lead with a 90 person field. Uh, but I did say on the podcast uh, with Kyle Jesse, the Inside Bassmaster podcast, before lacrosse, I said, if you can go, or before Oahe, if you can get to lacrosse with a 35 to 40 point gap, 35 to 40, you can still win Angler of the Year without Brandon Polinick having a terrible tournament. Brandon Polinick can still make the day three cut and finish, you know, 47th place. And, and someone can still make a top 10 and win. He can still make a $10,000 check and get the AOI race taken from him. So it's not like we're rooting against Brandon. I think that having that ability to move 37 spots is very doable. Um, so honestly, I'm going to just, I'll say, I think, I think Lester falls 10 points short. Mm. I think he scares the heck out of it. I think he scares the heck out of it, but I think, I think Brandon, successfully makes a cut um and, and he ends up moving up a few on that day three that get him in you know 30th place and it, and it makes it you know or, or 36th place and and lester doesn't quite get the top 10 and falls a couple points short so that's how i see it playing out i really like how lester fishes and i love how brandon fishes but uh Polinick, but yeah but um, lester, it's such an easy lester pick to say on, he wins lester's been on a tear yeah. this year dude an absolute tank. yeah, and, so. and and it's been it's been warranted. I mean, he's he's had top ten, top five years. He's had close calls with wins. Uh, I'm proud as heck of to see Brandon Lester. He started this elite career when I started working with Bassmaster. So my first year was his first year, and so to see him, you know, just carve out an identity and to carve out who he is and then to be so versatile in so many ways. And then, you know, when he, when you don't expect it, one thing that was huge for Lester is he finished like 95th at Oahe in 2018. Like one of his worst elite finishes out of 107 guys, he finished like 95th and to turn around and have a good event with Brandon slipping to even get back in it. It's gotta be some, some cool vengeance for him that he just, you know, conquered a lake that he struggled at the first time they went there and, uh, and is now in contention for a whole lot more and is vocal about it. Sure. Like he, he's all about being in it now. So very cool. Um, you couldn't ask for two, two guys at the top two, um, better than they are, no, for sure. uh, for the sport, for, for sure. sure. You know, well, while I got your really quick last question and we'll let you get back to your girls. What is the criteria right now to stay in the elites for 2023? Uh, that is a, an ever changing thing. Um, I, I hope, and I think there will be more stability that comes to the, the clarity of that over the next, you know, I, I like, I feel like it's coming to where, uh, just to put it in, in perspective, we go from a hundred anglers in 2018 to 75 and 19, 88 in 2020, uh, then we go up to 100 in 2021. We make a cut back and get down to 94. So that cut of how many elite anglers in the field has not been the same two years in a row right. over the last couple of years. So I would expect there to be something that comes out, uh, whether that number changes or whether they lock in what was this year's number, that we provide some stability there. We also just created stability with the Opens uh, saying you got to fish all nine. 
and we're taking the top nine. Then you have the nation qualifier. So going forward, we should have 10 anglers coming in every year, depending on if it's a three-year change, a five-year change, if this is a forever change, depending on, you know, how the opens turn out. If it's a positive thing and the fields are filled and the excitement's there and people actually take a second and read a story and understand why we do things, uh, not just comment, you know, those kinds of things drive me nuts and that's probably my one Achilles heel is responding back to people. But there's a lot that has gone into this decision. A lot of anglers have asked for this. So long story short, I would expect there to be some stability. Um, but this year there is an average in play. And what it's been the last couple years is it's a three-year average because we didn't want to compare. So we didn't want to turn our backs and compare the – you know, history that anglers had had in 2010, 2008, whatever, and compare it to a different sized field in a different situation with first year, second year pros. Mm-hmm. So we basically said 2019 and on, we're doing a three year average. But if you've been on the elites for more than five years, you get to drop your worst year out of that three year average. You know, so if you have a 10th, a 10th and an 80th and you've been on the elites for seven, seven years, you get to drop the 80th and your average is 10. So that's the way it's worked out. It's unfortunate for some of those guys that have a tough year as a first or second year angler because you obviously have that safety of you're guaranteed the second year for, for a guy who's a rookie that does bad. But you, it, it doesn't get washed away. It comes back to haunt you just 365 days later that you, you struggled your first year, right. which means you got to catch them big time. So the guys who have two-year averages like rookies um, – and the guys who rookies and the guys who have been here for the longest, they have the ability to really change their average quite a bit. You know, every every spot that Justin Atkins moves up in Angler of the Year helps his average by half a point. Every two spots he moves up, it helps it by a point just because he's only got two years of data to work with. Right. Um, so our cuts are determined by that, whether it is 10 people, five people, uh, 12 people, six people, whatever the number is this year, it is determined based off of that. Um, and obviously the medical hardships and things that are coming to play are added on top of the field size, you know, so it's not taking away. Someone who's getting cut isn't getting cut because there was a medical hardship taken this year. You know, the medical hardships in addition to the field size. So whatever the field size is set at, uh, that's how we determine the cuts. And then it's based off of average and then any legend and uh, hardship kind of goes on top as additions to the field, not uh, replacement spots, you know? So that's kind of how we do it. So, because those those are the things that change every year is how many legends come back each year, how many hardships end up taken, whether it's zero, you know, or one or two or three or whatever it is, you know, based on situations like no one could have projected Winlet having a a serious eye issue as he, when he gets up to South Dakota, you know, the things like that, that's what that hardship's for. It's not for, a guy struggling halfway through the year and says, I'm out, save my spot for next year. I got a, I got a week back. No, it's not for that at all. So just for clarity, no, but perfect. yeah, that's perfect. That's what we need to know. So guys, what else you yeah. got for Ronnie while we got him? Um, I'm going to ask this. I mean, we're, we're already seeing you doing some saltwater stuff. What, what is the future like for Ronnie Moore? I had I had elite anglers texting me saying, "Dude, are you still working with Bassmaster?" Because I was doing <laughs> some salt. I said, "Bro, I can't leave because I've never caught a saltwater fish. I've never caught a billfish. I've never caught a mahi mahi. Of course, I'm staying at. I'm not. I'm not leaving bass. So, 
that's a super cool question, Kenneth. And I, and I will say it's super refreshing um, to have those saltwater tournaments mixed in this year. So what it is, is the sport fishing championship is a brand new venture that is doing something no one's ever done, which is piggybacking off the back of some of the most well-known billfish tournaments, you know, blue marlin, white marlin, sailfish, all of those, mm-hmm. spearfish, swordfish. Um, also incorporating yellowfin tuna, wahoo, and mahi-mahi. The sport fishing championship is uh, is basically touring around with some of these high-profile tournaments and making it like an elite series. They are putting their point structure on it. It does not infringe on the point structure of that other tournament, and it, it allows incentive for people to hop in and possibly win a million dollars. And that's what they just crowned the final while we were doing Oahe. They were doing an event in Puerto Rico and they crowned a million dollar uh, winner for the whole, you know, 11 or 10 event series that we did this year. And it's in the Atlantic and the Gulf. Uh, so I got to go on site and be be there for three of them in person. I was in Biloxi. I was in Myanmar Beach or Destin, Florida. And then I went to South Padre Island, Texas. Super cool atmosphere, totally different dynamic. It's it's hard to get cameras and boats with some of these people. We have eight cameras out on the water with these boats. It's hard to get cameras and boats. And it's weird because we're so used to the Elite Series. And they welcome cameras in the boats because it only helps them build their brand and sponsor exposure and all of that. Well, if you're launching your 56-foot Hatteras, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is in the golf tournaments, you're a millionaire already. You don't need any exposure. If anything, you don't want eyes on your... You don't need eyes on your ventures. You know, some of these guys are in oil. Some of these guys are in tech and they don't, they don't need people to know who they are and where they are. And so, uh, sometimes boats welcome them. I mean, we've had, we had a great four or five grouping of boats in the Gulf that always had a camera and we always had to find three other boats to put them in. And, uh, man, it was so cool to see that it's a part of JM associates. It's what we, we, we were asked to, to produce this deal and, the way we put those shows together for daily shows on sportfishingchampionship.com and then also for CBS Sports on the weekends, absolutely unreal the hoops that we jumped through to do it. And what's really crazy is we did two events this year on top of elites. So we had half of our production crew that normally do elite series events doing the saltwater series while we were doing Bassmaster events. That's right. And 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 we're so we're literally doing live shows on Fox Sports One and CBS Sports at the same exact time. I think we had for JM Associates, and it's basically like a you know a building that has ten cameramen you know on payroll freelance and fifteen full time employees in there editing. We took that small operation and we did over ten hours of live fishing on national networks in the same weekend from two different you know. Puerto Rico is not another country, but it might as well be, you know, it's, it's sure. over there. And so very cool to see that. And super cool that that was brought to JM associates table. And then I got to be a part of it. I said, I don't know, but I'm willing to learn. And man, it was like, I, it was like, I was my first year on the elites again. Like I was learning so much every event. And, uh, one thing was cool is I know those saltwater guys have never been asked hard or difficult <laughs> questions about, about, about the patterns and about what we should expect. And they, they, some of them might've gotten tricked by Ronnie Moore on, if I didn't get my answer, I asked the question a different way and they gave me the answer, whether they, they meant to or not. And so it's very cool to, to jump into that atmosphere, but I appreciate that question because 
Uh, man, Tommy Sanders has done Steel Timber Sports, Reno Air Races, Bassmaster. He's done, you know, Redfish Cub. He's done so many things, outdoor games, everything, that uh, if I can add Saltwater to my credentials, you know, and be a part of that team, which they have a really cool content team on site there at the events to see them uh, excited to get into the tournament coverage like that and me to bring my background was very, very cool. So it was, you said, while we have you real quick and you know that no answer with Ronnie Morris real quick. So I apologize, but (laughs) well, well, from what I saw, it was really good. Yeah. What we've seen is really good, brother. You're doing a great job over there. You're obviously a quick learner. Well, we, uh, you know, it's not fake it till you make it. It's like, find some good allies that tell you important questions or, and there's some awesome technology in the, in the, you know, million dollar technology in the, in the oceans out there satellite wise and readouts wise that, that dwarf the, you know, dwarf the topo maps that we're just keyed in on with bass fishing and the, the readout charts from the, from the dam, you know, outflow stuff. So, they dwarf it. And so me getting my hands on that. Yeah. Learning that was very cool. And, and I'm still learning it. And I've gotten a lot of nice uh, people along the way that I've met that have helped. And also some of the teams were so welcoming. They're like, you know what, we got to get you out here and you got to catch a blue Marlin and, uh, and knock it out. And so once I do that, I will learn, I would have learned so much more just three days out on the water with a team in the boat. It'll be, it'll be super cool. So um, a lot of big things coming. I'm excited that uh, Mike McKinnis throws my name in the hat sometimes, you know. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, brother, so. thanks so much for answering my call. Thanks for being on the show impromptu. <laughs> and uh, do me a favor. We're all good. I'm just ribbing you when I can, oh, you know I what I'm know saying? You can. I appreciate it. I, I really do. It was great. And, um, I mean, do, it, do, do me a favor. Hug Sarah. Give Marlo a big hug for us. And, uh, dude, hope, I will do that. have a great week, and we'll see you on live this weekend. Yeah, love the English Channel boys, and uh, we will be doing some good coverage. We got, I think, uh, obviously four days of live, but normally we do six cameras on day one and two, and then 10 on day and three and four. But with our event uh, being day two on Saturday, we should have 10 cameras for uh, for three straight days to end the year. So it'll be good. AOI, ROI, all that stuff. So it's going to be a good week. That'll be awesome. Ronnie Moore, thanks so much, buddy. We'll Sweet. talk to you soon. Love y'all. Appreciate love it. Love you too, bud. See you. <laughs> Well, folks, you asked, we listened. How about that, David? I mean, holy crap. Just, I mean, all I wanted wasn't, I mean, yeah. Thanks, Ronnie. Love you, buddy. I mean, I don't, shit, I don't know what to do now. I mean, if you want, you I mean, we're so far over what we needed to do here. It's, uh, I mean, that's, it's a great interview. I mean, it, it was perfect. So. I'm still trying to figure out how he just has all these stats just sitting in his head that he just Dude, spits it out like it's Ronnie, like it's nothing. Ronnie Moore, I mean, you, you caught him off guard I, here, and he had it. He had it all just like he just spewed right out of his mouth. You know, I don't. Yeah, I, you know, I've known Ronnie a long time back when he was a college angler, and you know, through bass and everything else. And I mean, just he's a hell of a kid. Let me get me wrong. And I can call him a kid because he is. Uh, Education yeah. thing. Oh, it is. It is. But I mean, he's. He's been a student of this game for so freaking long. David, if we put him, Ken Duke, and Matt Pangrak in a room, I don't know that I can handle the knowledge. I really don't. I don't my <laughs> head would explode, son. I mean, just <laughs> right. And I'd I'd be done. I'd leave fishing forever at that point. I, I mean, there's no reason to know all that to have all that knowledge, but he he's got it. 
and uh, does a great job and uh, is a great, great friend of the program and appreciate him answering the phone and uh, jumping on this thing impromptu like he did. It was it was perfect. So hopefully that answers all your questions about this weekend's deal. Um, 43rd puts Jason Williamson one spot out right now. He's 12 points out. Carl Jakobsen currently is in the Classic as it sits at 451. Chad Pipkins is 41st. Caleb Summerall, Jacob Fouts, KJ Queen, Shane LeHugh, Cody Huff, and Jason Christie down to 35th. So a lot of but guys. But I think, I know it was before Ohio. I think the points, and when you're getting in that 35 to 45 range, those points are real close. They that are. can really change a lot. So 35th right now is 482. 43rd is 450. So 32 points separate. 43rd and 35th right now. But then you go down and like 44th, Jason Williamson, he's 12 points out. Scott Martin, 16 points out. Brandon Carr, 17 points out. Lowen is 21 points out. Micah Frazier, 23 points out. Uh, Hunter Shryock is 26. And then Brian Schmidt in 50th is... 33 points out. That's good math, David. That's quick so math there, right there. That's that's Alabama There could be a math. lot of so. There could be a lot of shuffling in there after, there, after this last time. There is going to be a lot of shuffling in here. You got Josh Douglas who's at 414 in in 52nd place. Had a good Hawaii event. He's looking to get in that classic, right? His first year on tour, he's ready to get there. So there's going to be some moving and shaking going on. There's going to be some things happen. It's going to be fun to watch. Tune in with it. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, right? Is that what, that, that's the yep. event this week? So uh, make sure you do that. Um, you pick them wise. we got to get out of here. You pick them wise. The, um, going into our final week here on uh, in August. I forget what month it is. All the scores have been updated. James Rice, Dana Watkins. I'm sorry, D- James Rice, Al Perry nailed an event this week. Um, James Bryce and Dana Watkins, six points apiece heading into the final week here, um, followed up by three at, at four points, and a number of folks at three and two. Uh, in our little group, Kenneth took a nice little lead there. But I'm coming after you, brother. I'm coming for you. Um, you had a big week, 13 points for you. I've got 11. David's got nine. And what's funny is you're looking through the results from last week, nobody picked Sheffield to win not a single person of all the hundreds and thousands of us put in nobody picked Sheffield Ebear Ebear probably had mm, 65 percent of the vote about that Lucas had a bunch of votes and a few others but nobody picked Sheffield but uh, Al Perry James Rice didn't nail the title finish 2212 uh, on the head there KG you're close 2202 um, let's see who else uh, um KG won the – well, I'm, I'm, let me back up here. Brandon Black won the BFL Ohio River. Why any of us are picking above 10 pounds for an Ohio River event, I'll never know. I really know what I picked. It was high, though. David actually grabbed the second place and the you pick up one with 802. Hmm. But Brandon was you – you and Brandon were the only ones under 10 pounds. And that in in all of our folks that play, the only two under ten pounds in that one. I think I was just over ten. You were. You're at eleven something, if I remember right. So it was uh, in that. But another great week. We've got our final week coming up this week. Uh, of course, lacrosse. 
And I added a couple of events to this. Lacrosse is on the list, uh, BFL on Cayuga, BFL Detroit River, BFL on Sam Rayburn, BFL on Ohio River out of Tanners. Please don't go by my suggestions on the website, and please do not pick above 10 pounds. Just don't do it, right? Let's see how, see how it ends up. Uh, I didn't. I can promise you that on my deal. And Wild West out of, on, the, on Potholes Reservoir, and then Five Alive on Lake Hartwell. Those are all on the list this week. The final week of August, and win a big, big, big sports and warehouse gift card. Uh, and excited to get that. Plus, for those of you that have reached out that have not seen the trophies from the past month or two, I'm I'm behind. I'm working on it. I promise it, it's coming. They're on, they're 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 being shipped this week. So be on the lookout for those. They finally came in, and uh, they're they're being shipped this week. David, what have you learned this week? Anything? Hit me with it. Um, I don't know if it's really learned, but it just, it just I, reminds I like when me when I ask that... David this, Kenneth goes into a, <laughs> what did I learn this week type of look, right? So, sorry. All right. What did you learn this week, David? It's more of a reminder that, uh, always make sure you have clean underwear on. Cause you never know when you're going to be, uh, you know, uh, have to get down to your, you know, skivvies and, uh, uh be on, uh, TV one day with them on, you I'm know. Just, so. I'm glad there wasn't yeah. a skid market. Now, of course, I don't know. I, I didn't see it. I just saw a picture. I had to go back and look. It, it made me. That's why it made me. It did make me think that maybe Ronnie. he did have a plan. We should have asked Ronnie. Call him back. No, I'm not calling him back. <laughs> no, I'm, we're gonna, no, we're not going to do that. So, I'm not going to do that. No, you, you're right. It, it's funny. Yeah. It's funny you brought up underwear. Kenneth, how about you? Hey, you know, he may have had, a, now that we think about it, he may have had a legitimate reason to have to come out of his pants. He may have. He may have. He may have trusted I mean, a fart. So. I, I I guess I guess the biggest thing I learned this week is that your daughter can go a long way away and you're you're still okay. Yep. Yeah, they can. You're right. I, but but you got a little teary eyed though, didn't you? Still are. I'm I miss her. She hadn't <laughs> been gone long and I miss her. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough, isn't it, brother? Uh, no November twentieth is a long way away. Long way away. That's right. A long way away, but it'll be here for you know what I promise. So, well, back on the underwear theme, David, I, I also learned, you know, you can wear, my wife, I always joke about this because I always ask her what the white pant rule is. You, know, you can't wear white after Labor Day, isn't that right? But between Easter and Labor Day, you can wear white. I don't wear white. I'm just saying white pants anyway. I don't wear white. But uh, we always kind of laugh. Well, we went to a little place. My wife and I have a, have a breakfast place on Sunday mornings here in town we always go to. Every Sunday morning we're there. And but last weekend, we took some friends with us, and they didn't particularly care for it, right? It's not that it's bougie or anything. It's just this is a spot my wife and I like, and, it, and it's just the way it is. They run into it. So we actually met them. We went to our spot. Then they wanted to go. They were at another spot. So we went and met them. Probably the best people watching in Huntsville, hands down, right there. And I learned that if you do wear white pants before Labor Day or at any time, Make sure your underbritches are at least white or don't wear any at all. Because I'm going to tell you something, ladies. Them black underbritches on them white pants stand out like a sore thumb. That's all I got. That's all I can say. So I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I myself had black britches on and black underbritches. I'm good. Right. I'm 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 covered. But just that's my that's my tip of the day. So my tip of the day. So with that being said, folks, thanks for hanging out with us. It's been a great show. 
Um, if you've got comments, feel free to hit us up on the X-Zone hotline brought to you by Trickstep, 901-493-0437. We would love to hear your opinions. Please subscribe, rate, and review this crazy show. On behalf of our guest tonight, Pro Circuit BPT Angler, Mr. Dakota Ebear. You can follow him, Dakota Ebear Outdoors, on social. Hit up his page, like his page, follow him. Good kid. I mean, rodeo clown, bullfighter. I, I, I get the I get the difference. Now I learned that today too. What what difference is there? But I mean, you know, pretty. I just hope he comes back after you called him a clown. I didn't call him a clown. I just <laughs> asked him what it was. He'll come back. I don't know about that. On behalf of Dakota and Impromptu, Mr. Ronnie Moore from Bassmaster slash JM, uh, JM Associates, I'm Chris Brown for the AC Circus. Guys, have a great weekend. weekend. KG? Don't take it personal. There you go, folks. Thanks for listening to this week's Angler's Channel Insider Podcast. Brought to you by Under Armour Fish, Costa Sunglasses, Pro Charging Systems, X-Zone Lures, and Trick Step. Visit anglerschannel.com, your number one bass fishing tournament resource.